Welcome to the Life Melbourne podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. We've been talking around this, and thank you guys, we've been talking around this amazing idea of influence. Influence. There's, we can all influence. Even the most introverted person statistically has been proven to influence to have a life that actually impacts somebody else and it determines another view that they might take or encourages them to change what they're doing or add to what they're doing or whatever it might be. We all influence, but today I want to talk about eternal influence. I want to talk about eternal influence because we can influence people in all kinds of ways. There's things I've done uh, practically and health-wise that people have said, oh, when I heard you did that, then I started running as well or there's Things we can do that influence people and what we wear. Oh, I really like their outfit. I'm going to go out and get the same because I like that. We can influence people in these practical ways, these material ways. But the truth of it is, is at the end of the day, if it doesn't have eternal influence, then it's something that's only temporary. And all of a sudden it doesn't last, nor does it make a difference that really our lives are called to make. And so today I want to, on my 40th birthday, nearly this year will be 20 years of marriage. The greatest influence in my life outside of my parents popping me out 40 years ago, the greatest influence of a practical kind, of a light-bearing kind in somebody else. And now there were many other moments of seeds and many other moments where God prompted my heart. But it was actually Nadia, my wife, who in 2020, as we moved out of our hometowns to the city of Auckland to study, that I saw something on her life that was attractive. And I'm not talking about her physical appearance, although, don't get me started there. We got to. But I, I saw something on her life that was like, my gosh, there's something she carries that I want. And then it wasn't too many moments later, a few weeks later, that we're sitting late at night, hanging out, chatting, that she influenced my life by being honest with me. And she said to me, Craig, you know what's wrong with your life? And I'm like, I mean, you can't say that stuff these days, right? But because I'm an old codger, I come from a time where people were really honest. Like, there was no thing as political correctness. There was just like, right, this, this is true, right? You know what's wrong with your life? And I'm like, no, but you're beautiful, so say it. Say it to me. Anyway, she said, you know what's wrong with your life? The moment you walked away from God as a young person, you've had a hole in your heart that nothing else has filled. You need to get your heart right with God. And at that moment, I knew that I knew that whilst it was challenging and confronting, it was actually the sweetest thing I'd heard. And at that moment, she said, would you come to church with me every Sunday morning? Because I'm looking to find a church now we're in a new city. And I said, if it means hanging out with you, I'm in. But more than that, I realized I was pursuing the very thing that I knew I needed in my heart. And then on the 7th of the 5th, 2000, on the evening service, sitting up in a balcony, a man was up the front by the name of Sam with a microphone just like I am talked about the love of Jesus, and the whole time I knew that he was just saying, revealing the very thing that I desired. And at that moment, he said, if you're here and you know you're away from God, if you'd love to pray a prayer with me, you could actually know God for yourself. And the void you have, he spoke to me, the void you have, it could be filled right now, not with anything material, but with a person whose name is Jesus. At that point, I said, that's not me, and my hand shot up. <laughs> at that point, I said, well, I'm not going any further than I stood up. At that point, I said, it stops here. I started running down the front and I found myself the first person standing down the front of a big church in board shorts with rugby socks. And I looked a mess, long hair. I said, God, there's a messy life, but you can have every single part of it. And that's what I love about Jesus. He says, come as you are. 
And from there, I became a follower of Jesus. See, when we give our life to Jesus, when we invite Him into our life, He's not an addition to our life, but He gives us a brand new life and we actually have to turn and follow Him. So we've followed our own ways. We've followed the world's ways. We've followed the attractive things. We've followed uh, pleasure. We've followed relationship. We've followed success. We've followed finance. We've followed these things to fulfill, but they never fulfilled. And all of a sudden we turn and look up. And we open our heart to the reality of a God who loves us, who doesn't stand there pointing His finger. He stands there with His arms open. And He's not up there. He's actually right here. And He says, if you'd allow me, I'll come into your heart and actually I'll lead you. So therefore, we actually repentance isn't a dirty word. It's the most freeing word you could ever hear. Because it's not the work of what we have to do. It's the work of what He's already done. And we turn and we grab His hand in a sense. And He then leads us in a whole new direction. And I become a follower of Jesus. But the amazing thing is that the Bible says to, that he had this moment with the disciples, right? Jesus has started his ministry. He's been baptized. He's then gone to the desert. He's come out and he's on mission, on purpose. But he needs a disciples. He needs a family of believers to take this and not just take it while he's there, but then to take it further when he's gone. Do you know that the people we're called to influence are not just for now, for while we're around, but I'm believing that Zion and Hope, my son and daughter, Easy, who wasn't in here, Come on, and the others that I get to be surrounded by, that they're not just going to go while I'm here, but actually when I'm gone, they're going to carry on. They're going to take it further than what I could ever have dreamed of. So anyway, he says now, he goes to this lake where there's some guys who literally had the desire to be a follower of a rabbi, a teacher, a leader, but they haven't qualified enough. They haven't been good enough. They haven't met the mark. So they've become fishermen, family businessmen. And he says, hey, guys. Leave your nets and your boats and come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Which tells me this reality, this truth, this logic is that if we are to be followers of Christ, we're actually called to be fishers of people. You can't actually be a follower of Christ and not have a desire in your heart to be a fisher of people. Right? Does that make sense? So what I want to talk about this eternal influence is this whole thing of do we have a heart to fish? Right, do we actually have a heart to fish? And then today I'm going to ask this team to come and join me because I want to get practical and actually ask around, like, how, so how, do we, how do we fish? Like, how do we let people know about Jesus? How, how do we make Him known? Because sometimes we've got the heart to fish, but we don't know where the rod is. We don't know how to bait the hook. We don't know where to put the net out. We don't know what to do. And so we feel stuck in our uncertainty, our unknown, rather than feeling released in what God has asked us to do. See, the Bible says in Acts 1, 8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And listen to this, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, to Melbourne. Don't you love that? He says, you'll you'll be my witness. Has anyone had to be like on um, jury duty or anything like that? Anybody watch those court programs that they have witnesses come up? Do you know the witness just simply comes and says, hey, you know what? This is what I experienced. This is what I've seen. This is what I've done. Sometimes we make it so complicated, but to be a witness for Jesus is to simply know your story and to tell it. Hey, this is what I know. I was lost and I was broken. I was heading in a path that didn't just hurt me, it hurt others. But then Jesus met me. I've got to tell you that peace, I mean, I always wanted it, but I never had it anywhere else, but I found it in Him. You know, that sense of lack of direction, like I couldn't find it anywhere, but all of a sudden when I met Him, all of a sudden I had purpose and direction of my life. A witness isn't complicated. A witness is clear on what they have seen, what you have experienced. I love that. A witness reveals what we have seen, 
What is your testimony? We'll get into that in a second. Then Matthew 28, 18 to 20, the Great Commission says, And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Sometimes we want all the authority on heaven and earth to be able to equip us to do what we want to do. But all authority from heaven and earth came on to do this very thing, to go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. We've got baptisms tonight. Such an incredible uh, moment of transformation and recognition of being all in. But And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded them. Surely I'm with you always until the very end of the age. Come on, we're called to go. Guys, we can't, we can't say I'm a light to the world, but, but, but we're not in the, the world shining really. Like we've got to have a lot. We've got to go. Like, come on, we've got a limited amount of time. Like I'm 40. How on earth did I get here so quick? No, like seriously, like I, I literally, I was 15 the other day. Now I've, got a, I've nearly got a 13-year-old son. Like, like, are you for real? Like nobody older says, oh man, life takes so long, right? Anybody else gone? Oh my goodness, I can't believe it. Like years just start going like this. Well, in those years, how many people came to a point of eternal salvation so that their life forever will be in a place of eternity and security? Or was that not a priority to me? So I just thought, oh, well, as long as I'm going, that's enough. He, no, no, no. We are saved to save. <laughs> Come on. The, the reality of becoming part of the family of God is so that we can now add others to the family of God. This is not an exclusive message. This is a strictly inclusive message. It's absolutely amazing. So you're ready to jump onto the panel? Okay, three people really are. I know people at home are like chucking stuff at the TV, really excited. Your support is unbelievable. I can hear it here as well from Brazil. Love you guys. Are you ready to have some guests come and join me on stage? All right. All right, team, come in. We've got Kina, Paul Furler, and the wonderful Charlene as well are going to come up and join me. Thank you, Kirst. Amazing. Thank you, Israel. All right, so we're going to jump in and I'm just going to get, keep talking at this part. But I did basically three topics. As I was praying about this, preparing my heart, I felt three things. This is something that in my own heart, my own life, I am challenged in. I do not nail this all the time. It's not like, uh, you know, I feel like I got this down pat. It's something I'm constantly praying, God, help me shine brighter. Help me communicate clearer. Help me have the confidence to be able to speak what you're saying. Like it's, it's something we need Him in, right? But three things I felt like God say is, number one, love enough, serve always, and then be ready. Love enough, serve always, be ready. So we're going to go start with number one, love enough. And really, I mean, God's so loved that He gave Jesus. Like He loved that much, right? So ask myself the question, if I'm not willing to share, if I'm not willing to actually let somebody know, do I love enough? Right, Love was such a powerful motive of God's that He was willing to sacrifice His own Son. But I've got to love enough. And this is something, again, I'm, I'm challenging myself in, all right? So if you take a note, it's great, great to be challenged in church. It's, it's like we don't just need a pat on the back. Oh, you're doing great. Yeah, you're doing great. But hey, we can always go further. Not that I've already attained all this, but I press on. Come on, let's keep pressing on. But do I love enough, right? Do I love enough to stand for the things that God stands for? Do I love enough to see in a way that He sees, not in the way that I see it and I want it? Do I love enough to listen? That's a massive one. Do I love enough to pray? Do I love enough to identify where somebody is and actually share the hope that I have in Jesus? Do I love enough? And so I think it can be really easy to default to that whole idea, well, it's not really my gift, right? It's not really my personality, 
But I, I got to tell us, we're not going to get to the end of our life and stand before God and He's going to say, well, I understand it wasn't really your, you know, it wasn't really your expertise. It wasn't really something that you're... No, He's going to say, God, you had a light just as much as the next person. What did you do with it? Now, you, your light was to shine in a stadium because you're a sports player. Your light was to shine in your home because you were an incredible mum or a father that was raising your family. And that's the area I called you to shine. How did you shine with where I entrusted you to go? But I was just going to probably first question and throw it out to you guys. Someone just jump in. But it's easy to fault that it's not my gift. Or I'm too nervous of what they might say. <laughs> or what will they think? Or it's easy for you, but it's not easy for me. I, I mean, are you guys, you know, you, I've heard many stories of where you've shared your faith, but are you confident all the time? Uh, is it easy all the time? Or do you actually have to, as well, love enough to step out and to actually step into opportunities that God puts in front of you? Well, I guess for me, love can totally feel like a massive risk. And right. I know at times that I can be like, what if they think I'm weird sharing the love of God? Or what if I mess it up completely? Yeah. Um, and it's been really true for me. I have thought those things and I still do. But what I've done and what I've learned to do is challenge that thinking. Great. And how I challenge it is I say, how about I have, I guess, the view to love first and not be so concerned with what the response is going to be. Because so many times Brilliant. I can consider what the response is going to be in the worst possible way. And so now I aim to, I guess, share the love of God, not concerned with what the response is going to be, but doing my part. And Great. I still get nervous. This week, actually, I was chatting with a mum that I just met and she was sharing how She's, uh, her and her family are going through major health battles and that it's such a challenging time. And in that moment, my heart is, oh man, I just want to pray for you because I've experienced the power of God and I believe in the power of prayer. But at the other time, I'm sure we can all have this moment where we're like, but she's going to think you're strange. What if you're going to offend her? Just shush, you're going to mess it up. <laughs> and in those moments, we have a choice and you've yeah, got to be quick. Good. And so I've predetermined that I'm actually going to take the risk and I'm not going to worry about the response, but I'm going to do my part. And so Very in that good. moment, I said, hey, you know, if it's okay with you, I'd love to pray for you. You know, I'm a person of faith and I believe that God can give us strength and that he can give wisdom to our medical teams that we can see the health that we desire for our family. And she responded, you know, really openly and she welcomed that. But other times people haven't responded well and haven't welcomed that, but that's okay. I think we can take the risk, we can love first and not get so, you know, concerned with the response. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Charlene, I know that, like, on plane flights, uh, in, on the street, you know, in work environments and family, like, you, you often will take moments to, to bridge the conversation. Uh, how does that work for you? Like, do you feel like, like God says, hey, this is everything that's going on in their life? Like, or do you just kind of go, hey, I just sense, I just want to share this, I want to share what I have, I want to share and just find out, are they in the same place? Or how does that, how does that navigate for you? Um, usually my heart's coming out of my chest, kind of like that. But, um, yeah, no, a lot of the time it's it's a little prompt. And yeah. um, I, I find for me, like, a similar debate goes on in my head where it's like, oh, did I really... Is that, did you really say that, God? Like, oh, I'm going to be really embarrassed or what are they going to think? Or, you know, I've got X, Y and Z, like, my agenda, I've got to get this done. Um, but often I've, I've learnt to trust and I guess when I've missed those opportunities, pray about it after. But... Just the truth of um, what Jesus said in John 10 about my sheep hear my voice and they know yeah. me and they follow me. And I, 
I've learnt to settle that thought and go, no, I do hear God's voice and I'm going to step out. And usually when you're nervous, that's when you need to. Um, and so, yeah, so that's one way to, that I do that. And I found that the quicker I can get through that analysis debate, the sooner I can get to being obedient. Um, and I guess one story I'd love to share, you know, you've all heard about um, the beautiful Sia and I'd love to share my side of that story because um, last year we came out of lockdown, I actually met Sia on the phone, um, you know, during lockdown, she's um, one of her suppliers, I'm an interior designer for work and she was um, dropping off samples, we'd come back into the studio, it was such a busy work day um, and because of COVID, you know, we were going out to the street to meet people, not invite them in. And I remember walking down the path going, OK, I've just got to get these samples, get back inside. I'm like, I don't have time to chat. Um, and I felt God say, no, just like linger a bit longer. So I was like, OK, just chill out, Charlene. Um, and then we got chatting and, you know, she was beautiful. And um, I think it was like Valentine's Day coming up and she's like, oh, you know, you're so gorgeous. Like, how are you single? Oh, we should all go out. And I was like to myself, okay, Charlene, here's your moment, because actually at the start of last year, I prayed to God, and I was like, I just want to be more vocal about my faith, and so I thought, no, that's cool, I'm happy to go out, but I'm going to tell her, oh, you know, I'm not into going home with anyone, and because I'm a Christian, and I, you know, love God, and then this whole conversation just unfolded, and she shared about how she's, um, you know, connects with God on her running, but she's never met anyone that she could share her faith about, she's too scared to wear her, like, cross at work, and and then I ended up praying for her and it was just this incredible moment and just how full and encouraged you feel after. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Can't beat that. So good. And then Sia got baptised last baptism service uh, we had before, which is incredible how God's just constantly doing that journey and just amazing. Pretty encouraging, hey? Yeah. Really good. Helpful. I trust this is helpful. I love, I love that. So just a couple of things we follow up and the next question, Paul, I'll, I'll throw it to you, but... Do we love enough to truly follow? Like, do we love, love enough to truly follow? We can't follow Jesus and not be a fisher of people. Like, it's a massive challenge, but at the same time, that is the reality. What are you doing with what I've given you? Do we love enough to cast the net again? Do we love enough to cast the net again? Oh, I've tried. I've invited them to Easter before, but they didn't say yes. They didn't want to go. Do you love enough to cast the net again? Or do I get caught up on the amount of cleaning that it stops me wanting to catch? If anyone's been fishing before, I go fishing a little bit when we get the opportunity, especially back in NZ. But uh, the, when you think about the cleaning on the other side, you're generally like, ah, I'd rather catch one big one than 10 little ones, right? <laughs> but we can get so caught up on how complicated the other side of it may look from our view that it stops us wanting to go there in the first place. Come on, don't, God says catch. I'll do the cleaning. He says he'll clean up, but you've got to do the catching. I love what Mark 16, 15 says. Jesus said to his followers, go everywhere in the world, tell the good news to everyone. There is not an area in society, there's not an area in your life that the good news does not need to be go. And you listen to this. Everybody has a hurt or a need. Everyone. So hey, you say, well, how do I connect with them? Find out that hurt. Find out that need. What do you need to do? You need to listen long enough to identify it. And then you need to love enough to bring hope to it. Listen long enough to find it but then love enough to bring hope to it. Because everyone has the same basic belongings. Come on, we are all looking for that. Um, you know, number two, serve always. And we've got to run through this. But I love that Luke 22, Jesus says, I, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. And I think that's a really incredible foundational and heart revelation we must all carry is that we're actually on this life to serve. We're where we are to serve. 
And, uh, and it's so counterculture to today because it really is the reality that everybody is, and, and is being promoted is you're first, you're number one, look after you. You know, like that whole flight thing, look after you first, where God's saying, no, 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 you're last. You are last. Your emotions right now, your fears, they actually come second to the reality of what I'm leading you, you into. Put others before yourself. Uh, you know, invite God. I love what Charlene said. Invite God to disrupt you and to interrupt your plans. He's got to interrupt your schedules at times. But we've got to prioritize those who are yet to be found, those who are still living in darkness. They need the light. And so, Paul, I'm going to ask you, how does serving others look like to you? And what are some practical things that you intentionally do to somewhat serve people? To love on, other, to love on others, you've got, to, you've got to see the love. That's how I feel, Craig. I mean, seeing the love means when you look at someone, you don't look at judgment. A lot of yeah. people have done things that aren't right. I've done a lot of things that aren't right. right. But you don't look with the eyes of love, of judgment, because... I've always said, and I still believe wholly, is that love and judgment can't walk hand in hand. It yeah. doesn't walk hand in hand. So I've got a team at work. They start work at very early in the morning, four o'clock in the morning. And these guys, you know, they're a different breed. The guys that start very early in the morning, different breed. And it's a construction site. Um, and just speaking to them every morning and not having the eyes of judgment but having the eyes of love and just getting to know them, shaking, like every morning I'll make it an intentionally, you walk in, shake their hands, look them in the eyes and see how they're going. Yeah. And just being focused on them. How are, how are you going? How's things? And through all that time, I've got to know them. I've got to know their wives, their families. Um, and I haven't even met their wives or their kids, but I know them. I know their wives, I know their families. But it's opening up my heart, uh, you know, what I believe in and opening up my life to them and them opening up their life to me. And it hasn't been easy. You go shake their hands, their hands are full of concrete, they think they're joking, they'll give you a handful of concrete and then you've got to go wash it. You laugh about it, but you move on and you... But having that, allowing that to happen to you, you've just broken down walls. And while those walls keep coming down and keep coming down, you're able to get into their lives. Just quickly, I've been with them for three years now. So at the end of every year, we've always organised um, Christmas breakup. Hey, yeah. let's, let's do something. The first, first year it was, nah, not interested, not doing it. And that's the kind of guys there were. There's eight guys. And they didn't want, to, didn't want to do anything for Christmas. And I thought, no, I'll go buy the meat. I'll buy them meat, drinks, and I'll get to work. They, they'd already left. They'd done their job and they'd cleaned up. They left. They did not want it. Another year goes by, spending time with them, really opening up my life to them, um, sharing my life, them sharing their lives. So the following year it was, hey, let's do something for Christmas. What do, we, what do you want to do? And they're like, no, nah, no, nah, we'll have a barbecue. So they had a barbecue and we got together. It was real... Really good. The third year, it was, hey, where would you like me to take you this year? Where do you want to go? And they're like, hey, can we go have lunch together in the city? We'll do something in the city. And it was just breaking down walls. It's not giving up. We've got Easter production coming, um, coming along. So I went up to every, every one of them. Hey, guys, church is putting an Easter production on. Love for you guys to come. One guy's got his whole family. Five of them are coming um, on Easter production. Then another group's got his family coming. Um, family and the whole, out of, out of all of them, five of them are coming with their family because it's just been a work on. And it's not just, yeah, amen, amen. But it's an everyday thing where you share your life and be vulnerable about what you go through, but hearing what they've got to say. And looking with the eyes of judgment, easily I could have judged them and thought, no, you're just an alky. You just, you drink every night. But you know what? God's a God of the second chances and you've just got to keep reminding them, hey, there's a God that loves you. There's a God that loved me and opened up, you know, opened my heart to accept him and I'll just thank so God. So good. It. Yeah. 
Amazing, Paul. Brilliant. Isn't that great? Isn't that great encouragement? I think it's a great encouragement. Listen to this. Before they're wondering if Jesus is legit, they're wondering if you're legit. Before they're wondering if they can trust God, they're wondering if they can trust you. Before they're wondering out, is the Bible real? They're wondering, am I real? And I love what Paul was saying, and it's modeled over year after year, 4 a.m. after 4 a.m. after 4 a.m. Oh, well, I tried once. No, 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 like a light shines. Just keep shining, keep shining, keep being consistent. But this is the question is us is, how we live represents how God loves. How we live represents how God loves. And so there's actually a huge ownership on us of how we live our lives, how we respond to people, how we are faithful, how we are there. I love what 2 Corinthians 5.20 says. Now then we are ambassadors. We are ambassadors, right? Nadia shared a quote the other day um, of somebody who said, well, if people really believe what they believe, how do Christians live how they live? And I think there's a call for all of us. Man, we've got to raise the bar. We've got to lift our lives. We've got to, you know, it doesn't mean we're perfect. We're not perfect. We make mistakes. But as you open your life, it's your vulnerabilities and your imperfections that you can keep pointing back to. But God's still faithful and He still takes me and He still leads me. And I've got hard edges, but they're coming off slowly. But that's who we are as a family. Um, you know, uh, on my wedding day, my, one of my best mates gave a speech and, and uh, I got saved in my first year of uni. And, um, and he gave a speech at, at it, and he wasn't saved or anything like that, but he goes, but Bazza, which was my nickname back then, uh, goes, Bazza, uh, you know, Bazza changed this year, and we all noticed it. But I'd never told them or preached to them. He said, he changed this year, we all noticed it. Noticed that when he connected with Nadia, and then they started going to church, and we realized what made him different. And he was always a good bloke, but all of a sudden he went from here to here. I'd not heard this. I'd not seen this. I'm sitting there thinking, where is this going to go? <laughs> but he goes, I realized it was God. It was God. Come on, how, how we live matters. How we keep loving. When people shut you off, cut you off. When family go, oh, they, uh, we don't want them around. They believe, this. they believe this. They're a bigot now. Blah, blah, blah. You be the same. God-loving, God-honoring person that shows a love that's unconditional. And I tell you what, it's amazing what people truly see. Number three. Hopefully this is helpful. Hopefully this is encouraging us because it's all good to talk about influence, but we need some practicals. We need some help. Number three is be ready. Be ready. The Bible tells us, you know, we need to be ready to give an account, right? Be ready to give an account for the faith that you have. Be ready. In 1 Peter 3.15 actually says this, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord and always be prepared to give an answer to the, everyone who asks you to give reason for the hope that you have. Hear that? It doesn't tell you to be a theologian to convince them otherwise of what they believe. You're not into a theological debate when you're talking to somebody. You're actually just talking about the hope that you have. What's the hope that you have? What's the hope that you carry? And I think it's really important for us. And be ready. It tells me that actually I've got to do some preparation here. You know, sometimes I don't know what to say. Have you ever prepared what you could say? Have you ever actually taken time to think, what's my testimony? Like, what's the story? I wouldn't know how to share it. Well, have you ever got a piece of paper and actually wrote down your story? Oh, I don't, I don't, well, hang on. Isn't it the most important story you now have? Isn't it the most phenomenal news? Like if someone had the cure to cancer and didn't write it down, but they kept it to themselves, wouldn't you think they're the most foolish person on the planet? Yet we have eternal salvation. And if we haven't actually got ourselves to the point that we can offer it clearly to somebody else, I would say, come on, there's a little bit more we need to take ownership of because we have something that changes. Sorry if that sounded harsh, but I, come on, let, come on. You got something that's way better than the cure to cancer. Although if you've got that cure as well, please don't keep it to yourself. But 
One of the things, like, we should be able to share a testimony within 90 seconds. Because you're not always going to get half an hour. You're not always going to get a lunch meal. You're not always going to get the opportunity to have dinner. 90 seconds, we should be able to share a testimony. And the way I've broken that down and heard it before is just a third, 30 seconds, is what was my life like before? Don't make it bigger than it was. You don't need a crazy testimony. Now, this testimony is I was always a good girl. Never did anything wrong. Right? Now, obviously, she's human, so she's other, there's areas of her heart. She wouldn't say that. But at the same time, she never got addicted to drugs. She never went wild in parties. Never got, but know your background. Know your background. Just because you lived a good life doesn't mean you live a complete life. It doesn't mean you don't have a void of hope in your life and that you feel saved. No, there's still a lost part to us. So living a good life won't get you to, cry, to, to heaven. It's actually living a Christ-centered life. But know it. 30 seconds. Then 30 seconds on when did you meet Jesus? How did you meet him? And then the last 30 seconds is, what is your life like now with Christ at the center of it? And again, don't have to portray perfection. Be real about that. So I thought it might be cool. Who would love to hear their testimonies this morning? All right, that's enough people in the room. All right, so I'm going to ask these guys to share their testimony in 90 seconds so that we can hear their story. And, uh, and so, Kina, why don't we start with you? 30 seconds. Sorry, 30 seconds. 90 seconds. <laughs> 90 seconds. Just share your story. Share your story. Um, yeah, so I, at the age of 18, found myself in a place where I just didn't have fulfilment or hope or excitement for my future. And after one particular big night out with friends, I found myself early hours of the morning just desperate for a change. And it was in that moment that God just really met me there. And I just knew the truth of who he was. And in that moment, I knew I had to make a decision to go his way and live how he purposed me to, full of life and hope. So and so I chose that. And actually... It was a Sunday morning and I went to church that night and before the pastor could even ask, I was up the front, like, how do I get to be a part of this family of Jesus? And so um, that was the big moment for me. But equally as important for me in my testimony is that that was 20 years ago now and every day since then I've said yes to Jesus and I've daily come before him, how does this look to walk with you and live my life how you've designed it to be? So 90 seconds up. Done. That was great. Done. So good. I love that. <laughs> love that. Isn't it amazing? I knew. I just knew it was Jesus. And that was the place we went seeking. Paul, 90 seconds. 90 seconds. Um, oh, okay. Um, I was, I was um, in Vanuatu and I got asked to give my testimony in a prison. Then that was like, well, what do you say in a prison? I, was, I wasn't a goody-goody, but I wasn't a baddie-baddie to get me into prison. So <laughs> here I am just trying to share my testimony. And I... And I'm not saying these are all criminals and you're in prison. Or whatever. I'm not saying any of that. But what I am saying is I had to get up there and share my testimony. And it's a simple testimony. I was living in darkness. I probably didn't do the things you did, but I was on my way to hell just like you. you know, because darkness is darkness. Light's a light. And I wasn't living in a great life. I had a messed up life. Probably not messed up to go to, to prison, but messed up enough that I was missing. I had a massive void in my life. Wow. And then someone told me about Jesus. And it hit home. The message that Jesus Christ has saved you, redeemed you, and can set you free, I needed that because my life was going in an area where there was so much darkness, wow. so much darkness. But there was such a hole in my heart that when Jesus came in, it filled it. It filled the void and it gave me a joy and a peace. It was the darkness stole my joy and my peace, but Christ gave me my joy and my peace. Yeah. And to live forward in life, you can't allow anyone to steal your joy and your peace. And Christ fills you. My joy and my peace. That's beautiful. So great. Awesome, Paul. Well done. Thank you, mate. Beautiful, Charlene. 
Um, so my testimony is that I grew up going to a Catholic church, so I always knew about God. Um, but as a young child, I just remember having really low self-esteem, not sort of understanding why I didn't have peace in my life. Um, I'd often blame myself why, um, for things that didn't go right. Um, and it wasn't until I was 15 that my older sister went to a youth group with her friends and gave her heart to God. And she would come home and she would share with um, my twin sister and I about just how much more there was to God. And I remember having tears in my eyes as 15, just like, oh my gosh, there is so much more that I didn't know. And so she encouraged us to go along to a local youth group, which we did. And it was just an incredible year um, of being 15 where this, it was like a light bulb that just got brighter and brighter, learning that there was so much more to God. And I remember giving my heart to him and but saying, God, I don't want this to just be a belief, like I want it to be a lifestyle. And um, yeah, as, as, as it sounds, I just, I felt purpose seriously go into my heart and just have this love and hope, the peace I was looking for. Um, and also just gave me this ability to love and forgive in my life. And, yeah, it's been the best adventure. God's been such a rock, and I'm so thankful. Amazing. Come on, let's honour God. Let's thank God for that. You know, it really is that reality that uh, there's no one that loves more than God. There's no one that can love us more perfectly. There's no one that can meet our heart and redeem our life like Jesus. You know, and I just want to encourage us, as Charlene said, I grew up in a religious environment. Now, we are a church. Our faith is Christianity. That is the religion that we believe in. So it is, a, it's a fundamental, it's a, it's a staple, it's a, it's, a, it's a rock piece. But it's not built on a whole bunch of laws and obligations. It's, it's built on the cornerstone, which is actually Christ. It's built on Jesus. It's built out of a place where God loved that much. He sent his one and only son, Jesus. And I just can't encourage us enough. You know, the Bible actually says it's through Jesus that we have relationship with God. The Bible puts it like this in John 14. Uh, it says uh, very clearly, it says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And people can say, oh, I can believe whatever I want to believe in some sort of higher power. Well, no, the Bible very clearly says actually it's through Jesus that we have relationship. If it was through any other way, then we would have to make that way ourselves. But that's the reality of a God who so loved that He gave His one and only Son, Jesus, that whoever would believe in Jesus would have this everlasting love, this unconditional love. And I was thinking about that and thought, how amazing is it that there's only one way to God, but there's so many ways to Jesus. Like, think about that. There's so many ways to Jesus, but there's only one way to God. So the good news is, is if we go to God through Jesus, then you, you come to Jesus as you are. What's your way to Jesus? We heard a way of being in church and environment, but realizing there should have been more. We realized that we got to 18 years old and a night out, late at night, reeling there's emptiness. Sakina so came from a place of emptiness. Paul came from a place of feeling like I was in darkness, even though I was kind of good. People come to Jesus in brokenness. People come to Jesus in their success. People come to Jesus in this place of despair. But also people come to Jesus with a great sense of joy and expectation. My son came to Jesus as a four-year-old in his bedroom. As I said to him, buddy, do you, do you know Jesus? Have you invited him to your heart? And he says, no. And I said, well, do you want to? Do you, where is he? He goes, I feel like he's in here. So we prayed as a four-year-old. There's people who have prayed and come to Jesus on their deathbed days before. They're given terminal uh, 
diagnosis that their lives are gonna be over in weeks or months. And they've got to this point saying, well, and honestly, do I know Jesus? Do I know a relationship with God? And they've come to Him at that point. Some have come to them because a friend said to them, look, I'm not telling you lies. I'm not trying to make something up. Honestly, hear me, open your heart. And you've come because you've trusted a friend's experience. And you said, you know what? Maybe I want that experience for myself. There's so many ways that we can come to Jesus. But the most important thing is, is that we do come to Jesus. The most important thing is that He knocks on your heart. And grace can be available as a gift, but unless you receive it, we'll never truly know the reality of what it can do in our heart and our life. So today I'd love the opportunity before we close to not offer you religion. I'd love to offer you the opportunity to know God for yourself. Many came today to celebrate these incredible little lives and you've done that because you love your family, you love your friends who have got this little baby. You didn't realise you'd probably be in such a situation as this where actually maybe you didn't just come for a baby dedication, but you came for the opportunity for you to know that God loves you too. And we're not trying to sign you up to anything. We're saying, would you just accept God where you are? I love that. Jesus says, come as you are. Maybe you've come and you are in a pretty hopeless situation. Well, the name of Jesus is hope. You've come here and you feel you're pretty guilty, weighed down because of your past. Well, you've got to understand Jesus is the God of second chances, third chances and new beginnings. The reality is when we give our heart to Christ, He says He actually wipes away the old and gives you a brand new beginning. Do you need a brand new beginning? Because it's not found in changing jobs and changing spouses and changing location of where you live. It's found in actually giving your life to God. So I'd love to pray a prayer as we close. And for those who are joining us at home, if you know that God's knocking on the door of your heart, you would say, you know what? I like the thing of online because I'm anonymous to anybody. Nobody knows I'm watching. You're anonymous to me, but you're not anonymous to God. He loves you and He sees you and it's no accident. I believe you're watching today. But He's knocking on your heart and you can sense it. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Here's the question. Do you know you have eternal life secure in Him? If you don't, you're not a bad person. But you do have the greatest opportunity right now to pray a prayer with me that you can know God and you will know the security. You'll know the freedom and you'll know the peace. It's found in Him, Jesus. So with our eyes closed and our hearts open, let's all pray this prayer together. If you know you're praying this for the first time or you've been away and you're coming back to Him this morning, say it with all of your heart. God sees you and He responds to your heart's cry. I'm not gonna make you jump up the front or anything like that, but I am gonna say, make this decision in your heart. Pray this now with all of your heart. And let's all say this nice and loud. Let's join every person who's praying it. Say, dear Jesus, today I invite you into my heart to be Lord of my life. I make a decision to believe in You and to receive You as my Lord and Saviour. I thank You that You love me. You have a purpose for my life. And I receive Your grace, Your direction. Thank You that today I start again. I'm made new. In Jesus' Name. Amen. Come on, everyone. Can we celebrate the amazing moment that people are having? We trust that you are encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life. And we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Melbourne campus. If you're not in Melbourne, then join us for Church Online, wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifeau.org to stay connected and find out more.